Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. A warm up of Welcome to Multi Las Vegas for Coast to Coast with myself, Greg Eastpeters. And now, part of the Houston Family of Podcasts, we do have a tremendous podcast for you as we're going to be joined in segment number two by Brian Roth. We saw one team making some moves on this college basketball Friday. Detroit picks up Mac Mencio from Arkansas State. Nah, I'm kidding, of course. We're going to be talking about Gonzaga. The fact that they bring in two players of impact in Graham E.K. along with Ryan Emmert. What that means for their outlook, what we can expect from them this upcoming season. What he's all been making out of the transfer portal as well as we've seen a couple fewer like known commodities this offseason enter into the portal. But we're seeing a lot more upside with a lot of these guys. These former top 100, top 150 recruits decide to enter into the transfer portal. What he's been making out of that. The fact that some West Coast teams dove in on the transfer portal. What he makes out of the moves made by Oregon on Friday. And a few teams in general that he likes the moves that they have been making in the final segment. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes that we saw in college basketball on Friday. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gnn underscore one. Keep in mind, letters DM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not really get in any Twitter questions today, but I do think that Friday is very intriguing of how it is to just gauge college basketball right now. If you're someone like myself that you take a look at things game to game, you're just really looking to put together just your synopsis of how the season is going to be going for a lot of these teams. You can just wake up a few hours after the fact with a lot of this news. You're able to just put together your reads on these teams throughout the coming weeks, the coming months, and you're going to be fine. But if you've got a good read on a team like a Gonzaga, because we were having on the podcast a few days ago, Connor Hope, who he's a Gonzaga graduate. He does great work at each XCBB, much like our good friend Brian Rolfe, who's going to be joining me in a few minutes. And you've got a good read on a team that you think might be bringing in some guys. You might want to try to get to the window as quickly as possible for betting futures. Now, it's going to vary from person to person. I just don't play any college basketball futures. And if I were to, I wouldn't want to lock up my money this early on because having your money out there for what would be about 11 and a half or so months is just something that's not appealing to me. I would rather bet on baseball, rather take a look at some NFL player props, which were quite profitable for me last season, rather than taking a shot in terms of the college basketball futures market. But you're able to get some very good numbers right now if you are able to deduce, all right, this team is in on a lot of players. It seems like things are going well for them, like the Hunter Dickinson sweepstakes, 
that is happening right about now. If you've got a good on chest to the team that is perhaps going to be taking a shot on Hunter Dickinson, you might want to take a look at that right now because Gonzaga is now up to 22 to 1 in terms of the futures market. At last check, I am not sure on this, but I thought I saw them at 30 to 1, more in that fold of like where Maryland, Tennessee is, might have been 25 to 1. But I know that there's been a little bit of a boost with everything that we did see on Friday. And if you're listening to this right now, I don't think that this has been fully taken into account as well. I'm sure that there's still going to be some people betting on this in the next 24 hours. So you'll probably see this go to like maybe 18 to 20 to 1. I still think that even if you're listening to this a little bit late, you're still able to get a little bit of value. But I think that that's the biggest takeaway for this. How closely you want to be monitoring these teams that are bringing in these transfers, where these transfers are going. It all depends upon how you feel about the futures market. Like for me, I don't really care who Hunter Dickinson is visiting. I will just evaluate the team that gets Hunter Dickinson when they get Hunter Dickinson. If you're someone that's searching for some good value on the futures market, you might want to be taking a little bit more of a look at this. So hopefully that was a bit informative for you. And I feel like Friday was a great day for college basketball fans. And a man that does a great job of taking a look at this great game is Brian Rolfe coming up next. We're going to be chatting with him about Gonzaga's moves, Oregon's moves, and so much more right here on Coast Coast Hoops. It's myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Houston family podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds you know, the basketball nerds. They're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, gonna, not, the, not the Big East tournament? They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton? Is a, is, a, is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of and those. Then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back here in Las Vegas for Cussie Cussie with myself, Greg Hughes Peters, and now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by this man. It's Brian Rolfe. He does amazing work over at Heat Check CBB. He does a lot of their written content, but on top of that, he does a great job as a part of the Heat Check CBB Hangout. That is a show slash podcast you're able to catch on YouTube in video form. You're able to catch that wherever your podcast as well as Brian is an ace when it comes to being able to take a look at college basketball all 12 months out of the year over there at Heat Check CBB. And follow him on Twitter. At brough33, that's the letter B, it's the same R-A-U-F, and then the numbers three and three all together. And Brian, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me back, Greg. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Brian. And apparently there's some school in Washington named Gonzaga that made some moves on Friday that we should be talking about as you've got Ryan Emhart, the relation of a man that played for the school once upon a time and Andrew Emhart deciding that he is going to be heading over there, and then they land Graham E.K., and it happened within like a 90-minute time span as well. <laughs> Just an absolutely impactful day for Gonzaga, and I was actually talking with your good friend, Connor Hope, about this a few days ago. He was talking about them as both potential targets, and I think that it was big that Gonzaga was able to land both of them because you were wondering whether or not they would get one of them, and I thought that they would get at least one, but for them to be able to get both of their big needs just a tremendous day for Gonzaga. Doing so in April is an added bonus. Not a bad morning, right? And <laughs> you mentioned their needs, right? They needed a, a point guard, true point guard, all last year. That was a huge, huge issue for them. So to go out and get perhaps the 
best true point guard that's out there, that's a huge win. He might not be the best uh, pure point guard in the country, but he certainly, I think, was the best one in the portal. That's a big win for Gonzaga. His style of play fits Gonzaga's system, fits where they want to play. He's similar to his brother. We saw that the the success Andrew Nimhart had playing in that system. Ryan's a little bit different. He's a little bit shiftier in his ability to get to the lane than his brother was, but still the same kind of pass-first mentality, prefers to play that up-tempo system. He's going to thrive at Gonzaga. And Graham E.K., they needed someone to replace Drew Timmy down low, and that scoring. And if you get the Graham E.K. from two years ago, the guy that was one of the best bigs in the country at Wyoming, that's that's a huge win. He missed all that season with injuries. I think it's fair to wonder how effective he'll be, kind of what, what version of Graham E.K., Gonzaga's going to get. But the upside is certainly there for Gonzaga to maintain their spot as being one of the 10 best teams in the country. For Graham E.K., is he going to be what Drew Timmy was offensively? Probably not, but I think a scarecrow might have been able to provide what Drew Timmy did on defense as well. So, you know what? There is that for Gonzaga. It's going to be on the podcast. We do have Brian Ralph of Ejax CBB. And I thought that this was just a big day for the West Coast in general because we were noticing that there was a lot of West Coast teams that they were rather silent early on. And then you see UC Santa Barbara picking up someone in Yuan Traore, someone that was a former top 30 or so recruit. If you look at these recruiting websites, Oregon, they land a pair of guys as they pick up Devin Cambridge. They're also able to land Kerry Oquendo. There was a lot of guys that headed west on Friday. And I thought that it was much needed because a lot of these schools, they just hadn't made moves up until what we saw about 24 or so hours ago. I'm still kind of confused at what Oregon's going to do or how they're going to look this season. They're making all these additions and they're all fairly repetitive in terms of their skill set. So I'm interested to see how that works in Eugene this year for Oregon. But the Johan Traore thing, I think, caught me and everybody else by surprise because, you know, this is a guy who's a five-star recruit last year who's now going to go play for Santa Barbara in the Big West and should dominate that competition. Did not live up to expectations, I think, at Auburn last year. There were a number of different reasons for that, one of which looked to be that he was not ready to contribute at that level. And that's fine. Not all freshmen are. There, there was a pretty good market out there for him. And so for him to choose Santa Barbara opportunity over the other high major power five offers power six offers that he had one speaks to the kind of role he's going to have at santa barbara and turns them into what should be one of the more intriguing major teams in the country next season absolutely and it's sort of been a theme that we've been seeing with the transfer portal this offseason as well a lot of guys that were former top 100 top 150 if you want to go down to top 200 absolutely do so guys that they just didn't see a lot of minutes at the previous stop we saw with Traore. At Auburn, we're seeing it with Damian Collins. He was a former top 20 guy a few seasons ago. He's on the transfer portal as well. What do you make out of a lot of these guys that they just weren't able to find their necessary fit? They weren't able to get a lot of minutes year number one, year number two, and transferring. Because I take a look at someone like a Damian Collins, and there's going to be a lot of people in on him. It's just very tough to gauge someone like that because he was very highly touted coming out of high school. We just don't have a lot of film on him at this level, though. Yeah, with Collins, it seems like he's going to go back to Texas. One of the teams in the state, those seem to be the ones that are vying for him back there. I think it's important to talk about Collins and Troy and these guys because they represent a whole, I think, second subsection of the transfer portal that doesn't get talked about. We assume everybody who enters the portal is really doing so for NIL, trying to get as much money as possible and as big of a bag as possible or their coach leaves. Those are typically the two we talk about. But you mentioned, you know, Collins was a really highly regarded prospect and we don't have a lot of tape on him at this level. That matters to kids a lot too, particularly ones that have gone somewhere and not seen the court. These kids, all particularly ones like Collins and Chory that were highly rated coming in, had and have professional dreams. And you're not going to be able to accomplish those sitting on the bench. Both of them to 
transfer, likely seeking more playing time. It remains to be seen, obviously, where Collins goes, but I think this was the case with Traore choosing Santa Barbara, is you want to get on a stage where you're going to be featured and be able to showcase your skills and get that tape for professional scouts, NBA scouts overseas. Uh, You want that. That's the only way you're going to make it at that level. So it's interesting because we don't talk about that aspect of things as much, but these two, I think, represent that. And obviously for some of the schools that are going to be recruiting them or recruiting Collins and and Santa Barbara for Traore, the opportunity to get a caliber player that you might not get otherwise. Yep, I think that it is absolutely massive as well as joining me on the podcast. We do have Brian Rolf of Heatcheck CBB and a team that feels like is getting in on the transfer portal. Welcome into the 21st century Villanova. Just before we came on, like 30 minutes before they were able to land Akeem Hart from Maryland, we've been hearing a lot of rumors of them being in on Hunter Dickinson. We're going to see what happens there, but I think them landing someone like a Hakeem Hart is very big, and I feel like Villanova's team that is really building themselves up in a big East that all of a sudden over the last 12 or so months, it has went from being just Villanova dominating time and time again like it was first few seasons after realignment, and this conference as a whole has really been one of the most improved in all of college basketball over, let's call it the last 18 to 24 months. It really has, and I think coaching hires have a lot to do with that as well. You've got guys, you've got Kim English coming in for Providence. Obviously, Georgetown hired Ed Cooley away from Providence. That's a huge, huge deal to be able to keep a coach like that in your conference. You have the national champions in UConn. I think we're seeing them flex this power. There is something to the Big East being the most prominent basketball-only conference. And I know I know the Big East sponsors all the other sports aside from football, but the other power conferences are all jumbled up because of football and football money. The Big East is basketball first. The transfers, the opportunities of, of going to Georgetown and playing for Ed Cooley and getting that program back. The opportunities of going to St. John's and playing for a Hall of Fame coach Rick Pitino and getting that program back on track, playing in the Garden. The opportunity for guys to go play for one of the better young coaches in the country and Kim English at Providence. Oh, yeah, there's still Shaheen Holloway, the tournament darling from 12 months ago at Seton Hall. You have interesting teams, I think more importantly for transfers, really intriguing opportunities. And you mentioned you know, Villanova's done some work landing and Keem Hart. They were the team last decade, really, not just in the Big East, but I think you could argue they were the marquee program of the last decade, of the 2010s. And so you have an opportunity there now for you to kind of keep that program back on track. They're looking for marquee players. That's an opportunity that, that, that self-turned down as well. So the appeal of the Big East, throw in there the Hall of Fame coaches, the the high level that those programs are investing in it with just the really unique opportunities that a lot of those tools are providing. It's obviously paying dividends and it's very intriguing for these these transfers. It is really intriguing. And I just take a look at the landscape right now and it is as fascinating as it ever has been, as we've got north of 1,500 players in the transfer portal. And Brian, what have you made out of this year's transfer portal? Because it feels like it's taken on a little bit of a different identity to last year's. We do have few, a few superstars still out there now. A few of them came off the board on Friday with Nemhard along with Graham Ike going to Gonzaga. And you saw Hunter Dickinson out there that we mentioned. But it doesn't feel like we have as much of the Kendrick Davis like we did from last season, I still recall he didn't go anywhere, but Kofi Coburn two years ago, he entered in the transfer portal. This could still be coming with some of these NBA draft decisions, but it does feel like in terms of this year's transfer portal, it's more upside than anything else. I'm not sure what you've made out of this, but I feel like this year in the transfer portal, there's going to be more guys than ever that perhaps flop at their new landing spot. But I think that there could be more unexpected booms than ever before as well. I think this year is really going to be telling of the coaches that are really good 
in the portal and ones that aren't and are just kind of going after talent because there is not the widespread amount of, of high level talent in the portal this year. There aren't those superstars. There aren't a lot of really good proven high major guys in the portal either. A lot of the marquee guys are up transfers from the mid-major ranks who we think are going to be good have something to contribute, but they're unproven. They're still unproven at the, the high major level or some cases going from the low major to the mid-major level are unproven. It's going to be a lot about fit, I think, for these teams and these players is finding guys who can plug a hole and fit your roster and your style of play and not be the focal point. There aren't focal points. Hunter Dickinson, obviously, is the exception, and and there are a couple exceptions out there. We talked about Gonzaga. Gonzaga may have potentially landed two of those exceptions. But by and large, you're looking at trying to get a transfer in this class that can contribute and help your team win, but not necessarily be the reason your team wins all the time. That's, I think, an interesting balance for some of these coaches to measure. And I'm so glad that you point that out, because something that I've talked about a lot this offseason is – that a lot of the teams that have been utilizing the transfer portal very well are these teams that they bring back out of like five starters from the season before, like three or four, maybe not all five, but they bring Mm -hmm. back quite a bit of that core. They pick up like that number three, number four score, then maybe a guy that comes off the bench, gives you 10 minutes, five fouls, something of that nature. And I feel like these are the teams that have done it very well, like a Creighton picking up a Steven Ashworth. I love what Houston has done, bringing in LJ Cryer, Damian Dunn. These teams that they have a core already in place, but they're one or two pieces away. I feel like these are the teams that are doing it best. And I just mentioned two teams that I'm very bullish on and what they've done at Houston and Creighton this offseason. Yeah, I think you can throw Tennessee in there too. They landed Northern Colorado chance for Dalton Connect as we're recording this. He is somebody who you talk about fit Tennessee. Since Rick Barnes got there, really has had trouble offensively and shooting and scoring the ball. And that's what Connect does. He is he is a shooter, someone who's going to provide a perimeter pop, add him to that Tennessee team. It's, again, something Tennessee needs. He makes them better without being their superstar. It's finding those guys and finding where they fit is going to be key. I think we'll look back on this upcoming season once we get to next March and talk about the Porters and think, wow, that was a really important addition. We'll talk about guys being important and impactful and not necessarily stars. I'm interested to see who that ends up being. Yep, I am as well, and I just want to get your thoughts on this as well because I mentioned two teams I really like what they've done in the portal. Houston, along with Creighton, I think that they've done things perfectly with regards to their needs and pick up one or two guys to be able to fill those holes. Is there maybe a team or two that has went, in your opinion, a little bit under the radar, but you really like what they've done thus far in the offseason? Some of it's relative to expectations. I think in Zaga, we talk about them, has done a great job being able to, given the, the losses they've sustained, maintain where that program has been. I think Ed Cooley has done a really good job at Georgetown just raising that talent level because that's been a huge need. I don't expect Georgetown to challenge for an NCAA tournament bid or anything like that this season, but they're going to be competitive in the Big East, and that's a far cry from what they have been. I think you look at where Ed Cooley left Providence, a lot of guys left Providence because Ed Cooley wasn't there anymore. Kim English has done a great job of getting some of those guys to come back from the portal. He's gotten some of his best players from George Mason to follow him. He's landed a couple other guys as well. I'm not expecting Providence to fall off that much either, which I think is a testament to the job that Kim English has done in this first month on the job. There are a number, and you can really pick and choose anywhere you you want to around the country. But to me, those are three that have stood out so far. I think that you bring up a really good three. And Brian, 
I know that you and everyone else over there at HXCBB are doing impeccable work. Taking a look at all that we are getting this offseason, as we both know. Teams that win in March, those rosters, those teams, they are built right now in the offseason with recruiting, with the transfer portal, and so much more. And you're doing a great job of following this beat. I know that you're going to have conference previews once we get a little bit more clarity. It's hard to give conference previews right now in April when we got 1,500 guys in the transfer portal. I would not expect that, but... I know you and everyone else over there at DJXCBB are doing great work. So a lot of the good people at home. You know it's all on tap for you. Now people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at BRALF33. It's B-R-A-U-F-33. And then HeatCheckCBB.com or at HeatCheckCBB on Twitter. We're going to have the offseason covered from every angle. We've got some transfer stuff as well. We've started some women's basketball coverage, which we're very excited about. But we're going to have a lot of not just transfer information, but why it matters and which ones matter. I think that's the more important part. It's, okay, what's this news? And then how does it matter? Why does it matter? I think we provided a unique perspective on that that you're not really going to find anywhere else. So make sure all offseason you're checking out heatchecks.com. And Brian is one of the best at being able to take a look at this great game of college basketball. And his contributions on this podcast are always appreciated. As everyone over at HXCBB does amazing work. Today, we were able to get our good friend Brian aboard. So a big thanks to him for joining me in this last segment. And coming up next, right here on Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, I give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball on Friday. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, (laughs) Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. Bro. Bro. 
and we're back here above Las Vegas for Just Kiss Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peters, and now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to get Brian Roth aboard. He does amazing work over at Heat Check CBB, taking a look at the great game of college basketball. Was at the Final Four. He covers so much of the sport that we all know and love, one of the hardest working men that I know in this industry. So it was great to be able to get him aboard. A big thanks to Brian for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a little bit of a recap as to all the news and notes that we saw in college basketball on Friday. And the biggest news that involved Gonzaga, we talked about that quite a bit with Brian in the last segment, so I'm not going to do a whole dissertation on it, but being able to get in Graham E.K. from Wyoming and Ryan Nemart pretty much within like two hours of each other. That's a really nice haul for Gonzaga. Gonzaga, you knew, was going to need to find a replacement for Drew Timmy, and I'm not here to say that Graham E.K. is Drew Timmy by any stretch of the imagination, but he can't be any worse on defense than Drew Timmy was. Probably not going to be the same offensive player, but I mean, this guy averaged when he was fully healthy during the 2021-22 season, 19.5 points, 9.5 boards per contest. So that is absolutely massive for this Gonzaga team. And then Ryan Nemart, he's got some familiarity with this program as his brother Andrew Nemart. We all know what he was able to do for that team that was able to make the national title game a few seasons ago. And he really reined it in at Creighton. He went from averaging 3.1 turnovers per game as a freshman to 2.1 turnovers per game, all while actually shooting better from three-point range and at the free throw line. He really took a nice freshman to sophomore leap. This is absolutely tremendous for Gonzaga. They could not have asked for any better of a day. And hopefully you were taking a look at this and you were able to fire in on the futures market prior to this news because you were able to get some very, very good value there. We did see Ariel White. He was a big-time player at the non-D1 level, and now he's going to be going up to the D1 level as he has decided that he is going to be going from Eastern New Mexico, and he's going to be going to Lamar. And This is a good find for Lamar. They need to look in some random places in order to be able to find athletes, and I think that they did a very solid job on this front. Ten and a half points. He was able to shoot only about 25 or so percent from three-point range. Only popped a few threes, but he's able to give you about 8.3 rebounds per contest, a little bit over a block per game. He's got a nice six foot seven frame. You would like to see a little bit more versatility out of him, but for a Lamar team that was just anemic down low, being able to get someone like an Ariel White that has good experience at the D2 level, I think is going to be very beneficial to them. And we've seen just in the Southland and conferences like this that these teams that go from the non-D1 level to the D1 level, they're not necessarily as far behind as you might think. So I do think that he's going to be able to have himself a good run of things over at Lamar. We did also see C.J. Frederick decide that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Feels like this guy has been in college for 100 million billion years. We all recall that he began his career at Iowa. This last year at Kentucky, he was a little bit more of a role player as he gave the team six points per contest. Three-point shooting just was not what it was when he was with Iowa. In two years at Iowa, shot 46.5% from three-point range. Shot 31.8% from three this past season. This just was not a fit for him. I don't know where he's going to be going. Maybe he heads back to the Big Ten, something like that. But you can tell that this was not good for Kentucky. This was not good for C.J. Frederick. And I think that Frederick is active a player and he's a really good shooter. But I think that he needed a change of scenery. So I think that this is best for all involved. Jarius Hicklin, he was playing over at North Florida this last year. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. It's been a very interesting offseason for North Florida. But I do think that losing Hicklin 
is going to be a pretty big deal for them as he was able to be one of their better players down low as he was able to supply the team with right around 12.5 points, 3.5 boards, 3 assists per contest, all while shooting 36% from 3-point range. He was able to give the team a steal per contest as well at 6'3". He had some relatively good size. You've got to figure that there is going to be a lot of teams that are going to be in on him. And it did feel like North Florida was doing a good job of having a little bit of foresight, knowing that they were going to need to adjust a little bit. They bring in Jake Vanderheijen, the 6'9 combo player from Bucknell. He is going to be looking to help move the team in a little bit of a different direction. But no doubt about it, losing someone like a Hicklin, that's a big deal. He has decided that he is going to be in the transfer portal Carlos Rosario has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal as well. He last season was over at Washington State and just could never really find his footing. Someone that I like coming out of high school only saw about 10 minutes per contest, 2.5 points, 1.5 rebounds per contest. Saw a little bit more action towards the back half of the season, but was unable to really get a lot of consistent minutes. So he's going to be looking in other places. I know that Mississippi State is a school that offered to him a few seasons ago prior to him deciding that he would go to Washington State. So we shall see what his prospects are. Jake Murphy's prospects are heading on over to UNC Wilmington. He was playing at Air Force this last season, and he is going to be making the jump over to the CAA. Just really didn't see a lot of playing time whatsoever at Air Force. I think that this is going to be a little bit of a walk-on situation, so you wish him absolutely nothing but the best. And then in terms of the Kentucky front as well, I think that this is going to be best for all involved as well. Damian Collins, a former top 20 recruit, just could not get out there on the floor. It felt like the Kentucky system just didn't really suit him very well. He is going to be in the transfer portal at 6'9". He's not a guy that's necessarily going to be going out there and bombing it from three or anything like that. He doesn't have that sort of versatility, but I think that he's got a very nice skill set, especially down low, especially on the defensive side of things. A guy that comes from actually Atlanta, Texas. He is now in the transfer portal. He's got a lot of upside, wasn't able to put it together at Kentucky, but where have we seen guys not be able to put it together at Kentucky and then all of a sudden be able to take off? So high reward, high risk sort of guy. We shall see what happens there, but he is now into the transfer portal. We saw Mac Menciel. He was over at Arkansas State last season. He used a redshirt year. He has decided that he is going to be heading to Detroit Mercy. He is from the state of Michigan, so this makes all the sense in the world. Not a guy that was necessarily super highly recruited, but someone that does have some handles. I think that is going to be interesting to see how he fits in at Detroit and just what you're going to be able to get out of Detroit in general because Antoine Davis, we all recall, he was the show for the team for many, many years. And now with him out of the fold, it's a new dawn and a new day for Detroit and Mansiel. I think that he can see some minutes right away as a result. Musafa Amzil, he was very good at Dayton this last season. 9.3 points, 4.5 boards, 6'10", a little bit of a combo player that shot 36.5% from three-point range. He's decided that he is going to be going to New Mexico. This is exactly what New Mexico needed. A little bit more down low, and they just need to play any sort of defense whatsoever. They've got Jalen House back at the fold. That is absolutely tremendous for them. They did lose KJ Jenkins, who I did feel like was a little bit of an underrated guy, someone that could come in off the bench, occasionally start, be able to give you some threes, was able to be sort of that nice number three or so score. But I do like what New Mexico has been able to do here in the portal in the offseason. Amzil, I think, really brings things together. But they also bring in Jamero Baker, Nelly Jr. Joseph is going to be able to provide a little bit more hardcore defense as well. So I think that this is big for them. I've been talking a lot on this podcast about how the West Coast schools have not necessarily gotten in on some of these bigger time transfers. 
We finally saw one come off the board. Cario Oquendo has decided that he is going to be going to Oregon. For Oquendo, needs to work on his three-point shooting, in my opinion. He shot 27% from three last two seasons, but 14 points, three and a half boards per contest last two seasons while he was at Georgia. Now, he was a little bit of a black hole. Whenever the ball came to him, it did not get passed back out. 0.7 assists per game, but it was in a Georgia system where there wasn't necessarily a lot around him as well. So, I'm not going to completely put that all on him. I do think that Dana Altman is going to be able to coach him up. We have seen Dana Altman be a little bit shakier with bringing guys in into the transfer portal, but I do trust in his abilities to be able to get guys firing on all cylinders, so we shall see what happens there as the uh, Oregon Ducks, they get a nice land in the transfer portal. Brandon Brown, he has decided that he is going to be transferring away from Wagner. I do think that this is of significance because Brown was able to do a very nice job for Wagner. What can Brown do for you, you ask? Well, he gave the team 9.9 points, 1.8 steals, right around 9.5 rebounds per game at six foot five. He's someone that was a little bit undersized, but was not afraid to get his nose dirty. Was a part of a Wagner team that was one of the better mid-major defenses in all of college basketball. So that is very much of importance that he is now in the transfer portal. This, in my opinion, is an under-the-radar big-time get as you saw Johan Traore decide that he is going from Auburn and he is going to UC Santa Barbara. A guy that many of these recruiting sites listed as at minimum a top 35 guy. I think that there were some that had him in the top 25. But I think that this is just incredibly impactful because they were able to bring in Andre Kelly last season who I would say just really didn't live up to expectations after he had like 13 points, 8.5 rebounds per game the season before at Cal. But bringing in someone like Traore is big. Not going to be a guy that goes out there and pops threes or anything like that, but he could be a tremendous low post player for a team that likes to play slow. They like to play defense oriented. Perfect fit. He should be able to dominate the Big West, in my opinion. And then as Auburn loses him, they pick up someone from the D2 level as Cheney Johnson was able to tear it up in the state at Alabama Huntsville has decided that he is going to Auburn while at Alabama Huntsville this last season. Put up some nice summers. 16 points. He was able to give the team right around about a steal, 1.2 steals per contest. Now, his three-point shooting fell off. Shot 46.5% from three two seasons ago. This last year, only shot about 29% from three. So, he'll fit in right with this Auburn team, but he'll give you about six half boards per contest at six foot seven. He's got very good versatility. We're seeing a lot of schools much more willing to take in these D2 prospects, and I do think rightfully so, and I think that he is going to be able to be able to be a little bit of a contributor for this Auburn team. I don't think that he's going to come in there, start, be able to give you a double-figure amount of points or anything like that, but I think he could be a nice depth piece for an Auburn team that they are going to be looking to go about eight or so deep, especially with Jalen Williams deciding that he was going to enter into the NBA draft about 24 or so hours ago. Dalton next, six foot six combo player. Was that Northern Colorado this last season? He decided that he is going to Tennessee. We talked about this with Brian Rolfe in the last segment. Very much a change for Tennessee as he was able to put up big numbers offensively for Northern Colorado. A little bit over 20 points, seven boards at six foot six, shot 38% from three. His Northern Colorado team has no idea what defense is. So this is very much the opposite of what you typically expect from a Tennessee transfer. I think that it could do them a little bit of good. And Tennessee looking for some depth. They need to be able to avoid these long stretches where they just go without scoring. These 
games where they go like 5 of 50 from three-point range, it seems. So I do think that Neck is going to be able to help on that front. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a fit, but I do like the fact that Tennessee is trying something here. Caleb Brown, 6 of 6, a little bit of a combo player from the state of Alabama, was a part of the previous regime and Missouri. He was only able to average about a point per contest last few seasons. Just was not a fit with Jarrell Gates. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. We shall see what his prospects are. Emil Skyata. He was playing at Central Michigan this last year. Only saw six games of action. Was able to give the team right around two and a half points per contest. He has decided that he is going to be going to Sacramento State. He is actually someone from Helsinki, Finland. So a little bit of an international prospect. We shall see if he's able to blossom with a little bit more playing time. He's still with injuries and just in general it's not necessarily a fit with that Central Michigan program. But a guy with quite a bit of upside coming over from Europe. So I'm very intrigued to see what happens here. Eric Pratt is someone that just did not see any minutes whatsoever at Texas A&M last season and UW-Milwaukee has decided that they're going to be taking a shot on him. He has decided that he is going to be going to UW-Milwaukee and I think that this is very big for UW-Milwaukee, a team that really was able to ascend under Bart Lundy this past season. Now, he wasn't necessarily one of these superstars that was super highly touted when he was coming out of high school, but I knew that, that there were some teams in on him. He was a three-star guy, shooting guard at 6'5", that able to pop some threes, played his high school basketball in the state of Florida. I do think that he's going to be able to do some solid work with a UW-Milwaukee team that they brought in a lot of explosive players. They really went up-tempo, and I think that that is going to suit what he's looking to do very well. Anthony Crump, he is looking to get Crump as he's going to be staying within the MAC. Going from Northern Illinois to Western Michigan at six foot eight, he was able to put up some numbers this last year at Northern Illinois, and this is pretty much going to be his sixth year of college basketball, by the way. But he's able to do a nice job for a Northern Illinois team that was a bit less sorry than they have been in the past. Seven and a half points, a steal, was able to give you about five rebounds per contest. Not a guy that is going to completely light it up, but he should be able to hop out a Western Michigan team that was one of the worst teams on defense in all of college basketball. Just was relatively putrid on that front. So I do think that Western Michigan getting a little bit of an upgrade in for Western Michigan. They have been able to do a okay job on the glass in recent seasons. They do need a little bit of backcourt help. We shall see if they're going to be able to get that later on in the process. Rob Higgins, he was a bit banged up this last season at St. Francis of Brooklyn and very unfortunate. St. Francis of Brooklyn, they just pulled out of all sports in general. Not just college basketball, but all sports. They are done. He has found himself a nice home as he is going to be heading over to Elon. Elon had a relatively rough season, but you know what? They didn't dissolve the basketball program, so that's a positive. And for Higgins, he's been one of the most consistent players in all of college basketball. Last four seasons at St. Francis, average between 11.1 and 11.5 points per contest between 1 and 1.4 steals per game each of his four seasons. Also average between 1.7 and 2.4 rebounds per game, but someone that should be able to come in, he should be able to give the team a little bit in terms of facilitation, right around 3.3 to 3.4 assists per contest. Last two seasons, Elon was really missing that trigger man last season to be able to ignite other players for offense. I think that Rob Higgins is actually going to be able to help out an Elon team that they fell on some tough times with losing a lot of players via the transfer portal in recent years. This is a nice big win for them. Chris Walker was playing at Little Rock this last season, and he has decided that he is going to be heading to Binghamton. And Binghamton has been able to do a very solid job in the transfer portal. They pick up Timu Chenery, 
a few days ago from Quinnipiac, someone who had some success while he was with the Bobcats. Now they pick up a six foot six combo player in Walker that I really like coming out of high school. Shot 36% for three, 7.2 points, right around three rebounds per contest. Just could never really stay fully healthy, but I think that there's a lot of upside for Walker, and I think that Binghamton is actually really doing a nice job of being able to build themselves up. I was not necessarily sure what was going on with Binghamton a few seasons ago because they were in a little bit of an adverse situation. Lavelle Sanders took over on an interim basis, then got the job full-time, and he has proven that he has been very worthy of that full-time job, so really like to see that, so this is going to be very impactful for them. Deshaun Allen Eichen says the side that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Well-traveled man, began his career in North Dakota, spent a year in New Orleans, last year was at CSUN, and at CSUN he was one of the few guys that actually put the ball in the basket. 11 points, 5 boards, shot 31.5% from 3-point range. As a six foot six, a little bit of a combo player, I still recall when he was a freshman at North Dakota. He put up nearly 14 points per contest. There has never really been a tremendous 3-point shooter, but a guy that's able to pop threes. He's got good versatility. I think that there's going to be quite a few mid-major programs that are going to be in on him at the more mid-major level in the transfer portal. So we shall see what's going to be happening over there. Devon Cambridge, he is going to be teaming up with Kerry Oquendo over in Oregon. He has decided that he is going from Arizona State to Oregon, and the thing I've been noticing, a lot of these guys that transfer from Pac-12 schools have been remaining in the Pac-12. Cambridge is the latest of them, and he put up good numbers at Arizona State this last season. Wasn't necessarily a flamethrower from three-point range, unlike his brother Desmond, but shot 33% for three. Supplied 9.8 points, was able to give the team just under a steal per contest, five and a half boards, six foot six, nice versatile player. Now, I know that our good friend Brian Rolfe was wondering what Oregon is going to do with these pieces, and I have a very similar question as well, so we're both wondering the same thing, but we just needed guys in general to help out in the backcourt, especially with them losing Will Richardson after about 500 years of college eligibility, so they have been able to fill that out, and Amezi Nugamezi, he was playing this last season at Jacksonville State. He's decided that he is going to be going to Morehead State, began his career at Georgia, and he's going to be looking to get back to what he was able to do during the 2020-21 season with Jacksonville State. That's the entire 2021-22 season. Just didn't look like himself this last year, averaging 6.5 points, right around 3 rebounds per contest. Two seasons ago, more like 8.5 points, 3.5 boards, shot 40% from 3-point range as a 6'9", little bit of a combo player. I think that this is a nice little buy low for Morehead State, and I do think that they could be able to find themselves a nice gem if he's back to form. As for Green as well, I was mentioning the fact that they did lose Ryan Nemart to Gonzaga. They do also now have Trey Alexander, who's going to be testing out the NBA draft process. I think that he is going to be returning to Crane when it's all said and done this last season. Averaged 13.5 points per contest. Shot 41% from three. Really took a nice leap from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Supplied a steal. 2.5 assists per game. He's a 6 foot 4 Really doesn't do one thing great, but does a lot of things very well sort of guy. So I'm going to be very fascinated to see what is going to be happening with him. But he's decided that he is going to be going through the NBA draft process. You could see him be able to have a nice little bit of a boom. And I don't think that it's 100% that he returns to Crane. I expect him back, but we shall see what happens on that front. That's going to be a big-time NBA draft decision. This is a big-time decision for Coastal Carolina as well. as They're looking to improve their defense after last season. It was putrid, and Brayon Freeman could be able to help out with that. He has decided that he is going to be going to Coastal Carolina, began his career at George Washington and Rhode Island, and this last season at Rhode Island, put up good numbers before he got kicked off the team, was able to give the team 14.3 points per contest, shot 34% from three-point range. I remember with Freeman, 
he got off to a really rough start in like his first three or four games of the season. Wasn't necessarily able to find his footing. You take out those putrid first three games of the season. He was actually a very good offensive player, averaging 15.5 points, 1.5 seals, 3.2 assists, shot 35.5% from three-point range. Not a tremendous defender, but with Costa Carolina, a bad defender would be better than what they had a season ago. So this is a big-time ad for them. So you do like to see that. Blake Kinson, he is going to be maintaining his eligibility as well. And he has decided that he is going to be entering into the NBA draft as well. Now, for Blake Kinson right now, what's working against him is, hey, this guy has been in college basketball for about 500 million billion years as he had a nice year at Pittsburgh being able to supply the team with 15 and a half points, six board shot, 38% from three, but pretty much was out for two years due to a medical redshirt. So I'm very fascinated to see what NBA scouts are going to be able to say about him because at six foot seven, he's got ideal size. He's able to shoot it well from three point range, very good versatility, but lots of question marks as to the feedback that he is going to be getting. So Pittsburgh is going to be awaiting that. And then Hakeem Hart has decided that he is going for Maryland and he is going to be heading on over to Villanova as for Mr. Hart, he had a very nice season this last year at Maryland, being able to supply 11.5 points per contest. Prior to this past year, it was never really too much of a score. Was able to take a little bit more hold of the offense. Has always been a good defender, and that's something that was very much ailing Villanova this last season. 1.2 steals, 2.5 assists per contest, shot 33% from three-point range, and all in all, it's been a good offseason for Villanova this far. I have no idea what's going to be happening with Hunter Dickinson's situation, but they are also going to be getting back Justin Moore after he was missing much of last season. You figure that Cam Whitmore was going to be as good as gone and there are some guys that are going to be just flat out out of eligibility but I do think that they've got some upside with some of their younger guys like a Brandon Housen who was able to see some minutes last season. Jordan Longino I don't know if he's ever going to be able to fully put it together but I do think that the future is very bright for Villanova and I do think that the future of us making money this year on college basketball is very bright as well. I'm going to be with you guys every single day taking a look at all these news and notes in college basketball getting you set for what is going to be a tremendous 2023-24 season and if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast Coast to Coast Hoops you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify Stitcher and TuneIn if you have a question comment segment idea what I have you for this podcast you do have one of two ways we offer those in first one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore D1 keep in mind letters CM they mean does not matter so as per usual please do send these into the timeline and the other way that is via an Apple Podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated from there you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five star review big thanks to Brian Rolfe of HXCBB for joining me in the last segment I'll be coming at you guys every single day here on the podcast which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow thank you so much for tuning in Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring a performance by John Batiste The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 